Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hello again, everybody. Jay Sannon here bringing you another exciting edition of the GBI show. That's right. It's Gridiron Betting Insights here from ATS, a show where we'll be appearing this year in the same number of Super Bowls as Patrick Mahomes, a show where we are more excited for the Super Bowl than Philadelphia area strip club owners are for the James Harden trade. That's right. This week, it is the Super Bowl preview edition of the Gridiron Betting Insight Show. And this is a, an episode I am very excited to deliver to you all. Um, of course, the whole season has been just an absolute treat bringing you the show, and we can't wait to talk about Super Bowl action here this week. And, you know, it's funny because the Super Bowl is, of course, the biggest game of the year in the NFL season. It's also the biggest game of the year from a betting perspective, right? You have all these new bettors who don't usually get involved uh, taking part in the betting markets for the first time, in addition to the usual betters on the NFL. And it's funny because I kind of go the opposite way on the Super Bowl. I almost prefer not to bet it at all, only because I am usually wrapped up in everything going on around the Super Bowl. Usually I'm throwing a Super Bowl party. Usually, you know, I'm a few drinks in, so my uh, my betting acumen is usually not where it needs to be the day of the game. So usually, while everybody is flocking to the Super Bowl, I am usually avoiding betting on it. But, uh, you know, with uh, the COVID situation going on these last couple of years, I have not been able to throw my usual Super Bowl party. I have not been able to enjoy some of the adult beverages that I normally enjoy with uh, friends and loved ones and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I will be dipping my toe into the Super Bowl waters here. You will be getting my prop picks here on the show. Um, we will talk about my thoughts on the side and total as well. Uh, you'll get just kind of my general philosophy on Super Bowl betting. I think it's kind of important to talk about that in addition to the individual game itself because there are so many new bettors getting involved with this one game. Um, and we'll also get the uh, conclusion of the GBI Awards. That's right. The GBI Awards last time we did our uh, season awards. We gave the MVP award to Joe Burrow, and uh, that has since aged very nicely since he went on to win the AFC Championship game after that. Um, and we gave out a whole bunch of other ones. This week we will give out our uh, ATS ATM of the year. We will give out the uh, totals plays of the year. We will also award the fade of the year and the bad beat of the year here on the Gridiron Betting Insights show tonight. Of course, if you are watching live uh, on the YouTube channel, go to ATS.io uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can chat with me live on the show. It shows up on my little production screen. And uh, if I find your takes interesting, entertaining, or I just need to fill time, I will, uh, I will put you up on the screen, interact with you, all that fun stuff. Of course, if you are listening on Twitter, if you are listening on demand on the podcast feed, thank you. Thank you for doing that this whole season. Um, 
especially the podcast audience. But full disclosure, the podcast audience is the only reason this show still exists. Uh, you know, we're trying to grow the YouTube stuff. We're trying to grow the Twitter channel. Those are not really the bread and butter of what we're doing here. It is the podcast feed. So if you are listening on the podcast feed, thank you. Please continue to do so. I cannot tell you enough how much it means to us that you do that. So before we get into it, we're going to get to the GBI Awards here in just a second before we preview the Super Bowl. I know that's why you're all here. That's why I'm doing it last, to build the suspense. That's what we call in the business, stacking the show. That's how we do it, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I'm a professional, at least allegedly. But before we get to the rest of the GBI Awards, I want to remind you, go to ats.io slash GBI, exclusive sportsbook bonuses from the show. And, uh, I mean, what better time, right? You know, the Super Bowl is here. Uh, get involved. Sports Illustrated giving away a bunch of money. Um, you got Caesars giving away a bunch of money. Bet Rivers giving away a bunch of money. Pad that bankroll before the Super Bowl. Go to ATS.io slash GBI to get started today. Now, let's finish up the GBI awards before we get to the Super Bowl-related stuff. And we will start the second half of the GBI Awards with our ATS ATM of the year. That, of course, being the team that has been printing money for us against the spread all season long. And that award, ladies and gentlemen, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. They were the best team against the spread this year at 13-5, and five, covering 72% of the time this season. Of course, they did not cover the spread. They did not win the game in their only playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers, which as a supporter of the New York Giants was uh, really the lone bright spot of the season for me. So I was thrilled about that. But all season long, the Cowboys were uh, cashing tickets against the spread. That was certainly something they did regularly, even early in the season, right? I mean, a lot of people expecting them to lose in Los Angeles against the Chargers. They won that game. They won with Cooper Rush at quarterback against the Minnesota Vikings. And what makes their record against the spread so impressive this year was the fact that, of course, the Cowboys are such a public team, usually a favorite. And even after laying an egg against the Denver Broncos at home in a game they were supposed to roll in, got beaten badly outright at home in that contest. Even with that, covering over 70% of the time. So the Dallas Cowboys are ATS ATM of the year. We'll move on now to our over-under plays of the year here on the GBI Awards on the Gridiron Betting Insight Show. And our over-under plays of the year, it was three teams. It was the Jaguars, Broncos, and the Giants, unders. Those were our totals plays of the year. I'm a big under guy. If I'm going to bet a total, I like it to be an under. Uh, just generally speaking, I you know I know everybody does the whole life's too short to bet the under and whatever. no. Money's money. I don't listen. Life's too short to be broke, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the under, if it's there, I want it. And with the Broncos, Jaguars, and Giants this year, it was there a lot. I was on Giants unders on this show pretty frequently, and uh, well, justifiably so. All three teams saw at least two thirds of their games go under the total this season. The Broncos and Jaguars, twelve and five to the under on the season. The Giants 11-5-1 to the under on the season. And, I mean, that was really one of the big stories of the year was that the pathetic offenses in the NFL, the worst offenses in the league, 
were just so bad, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence, there were high expectations for him this year. And, you know, he showed flashes occasionally, but he was way too turnover prone early on. And then when he fixed that, the offense still really didn't get moving there in Jacksonville the way you wanted it to. And then, you know, you have the occasional game where the Jaguars defense would step up and hold the bills to six points. It was just, it was a crazy season as far as low scoring games were concerned for Jacksonville, the giants, their offense was just pathetic from the word go. Even, you know, even with Daniel Jones, they had that one decent game against the Washington football team. They surprised the saints once other than that. I mean, not a lot going on offensively. And then once Jones was shut down, it just completely fell off the cliff with uh, Glennon, it was just, it was a disaster. Oh God, it was a disaster. Jake Fromm, it was just, it was gross. And uh, that's why we saw so many unders from the Giants. And then the Broncos, uh, and Teddy Bridgewater did not work out. I thought it would work out. I had their season win total over before the season started. And uh, they did not quite get there. Drew Locke did not help. He was forced into action. Pathetic offenses putting up pathetic point totals was a big story from this past season. That is why the totals plays of the year were the unders for the Jaguars, Giants, and the Broncos. Now we'll move on to our fade of the year. The fade of the year celebrating a team that was not good at covering the spread this past season. Our fade of the year here on the GBI Awards was the Carolina Panthers. They went 5-12 and 12 against the spread, tied for the worst against the spread record in the league, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jaguars, we expected to be bad coming into the season. The fact that they were bad was not a big surprise to us by any stretch of the imagination. The Carolina Panthers, it was kind of surprising how bad they were, right? I mean, Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold, and I kind of knew coming into the season Sam Darnold not really the guy, but I thought it'd be a little bit better than this. Uh, The fact that Christian McCaffrey, again, hurt all the time, Certainly didn't help things, but they tried P.J. Walker. They tried Cam Newton. They dusted off Cam Newton and brought him back. That didn't work out. Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, is gone. Everybody was calling for Matt Rule's job. It looks like this is going to be it for him. This is his last chance to prove himself this next season for the Panthers. It just did not go well for Carolina by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And, you know, what was surprising about it especially was week two of this season, you had the Panthers just crush the Saints at home the week after the Saints beat up on a Packers team that ended up the one seed in the NFC. So the fact that the Panthers were the fade of the year at a 5-12 and against the spread, well, they deserve some special recognition for being not just bad, but bad by a wide margin compared to their expectations. Whereas the Jaguars, we knew they were going to be bad. We knew they were going to struggle to cover the spread. The Panthers, we expected more from them. We did not get it. So that's the fate of the year. Now we move on to the final GBI award of this past season. This is, uh, this is basically my version of NFL honors. We did the real awards last week. This week, we are doing the uh, the less serious awards. And we are going to now finish it off with the bad beat of the year. The bad beat of the year, for me, uh, listen, you go back to week one of this season. You go all the way back to week one, the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions. The Niners were up 38-10 to 10 in the third quarter. They were a they were around a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. It was less than that 
in the week leading up to the game. It was around eight, eight and a half leading up to, you know, kind of the few days before kickoff. It got steamed up in the last couple of days there. Either way, you're up 38 to 10 against the Detroit Lions, and they just kind of stopped. They just kind of stopped playing football. They gave up 23 of the final 26 points. There was a recovered onside kick, which with the current rules in the NFL with special teams, it's like uh, it's like finding a pot of gold. It's just very rare. It really shouldn't be possible, but it happened. Jared Goff leading multiple garbage time drives, and the Lions end up uh, losing by eight. So even if you had the eight and a half, uh, you still lost. It was a terrible beat. Um, you know, there were other ones throughout the course of the season. But I think what sets this one over the top is not just the fact that it was the Lions coming back from 28 down to cover. It's the fact that the Niners went on to the NFC Championship game. They were such a good team this year. It's not like the Lions came back against a terrible team. It was the fact that they came back against the team that turned out to be positively elite this past season. And uh, they still managed to kind of ruin the cover there for Niners betters. Uh, that was, uh, was a pretty bad beat. And, you know, you can argue that maybe you shouldn't lay that many points in the NFL, especially with a road team. That's fair. I get it. But up 28 late in the third quarter, and uh, that's the result you get. I could see why Niners betters would, uh, would agree with me in that case, that that was the bad beat of the year. So those, ladies and gentlemen, were the GBI Awards, the first annual GBI Awards here on the Gridiron Betting Insight Show. I thank you for enduring them as we uh, get ready to talk about the game that I'm assuming most of you are here to listen to, all, all zero of you, at least in my head. I'm sure that there are actually some of you that exist out there, but in my head, I'm just here talking to myself. That's how I keep things light. But I'm assuming you're all here to listen to me talk about the Super Bowl instead of my made-up award show. So let's get into that. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. And we will start before we get to the actual game going on this weekend. Before we do that, just talk strategy around the Super Bowl. Because, again, there are a lot of people who will come across this show in some form or fashion who aren't veteran sports betters. I'm not trying to paint myself as such. I'm not a professional gambler. I'm a guy who, you know, he he does it. He does a little bit of it. He tries to do his best, but he mostly just is a gas bag who talks about it because that's his job. So I'm not trying to paint myself as a professional, but you know, there are a lot of people who have even less experience than me. And so before we get into the game, I think it's important to just kind of talk about the Super Bowl in general and, you know, just kind of some general tips to approaching it. Because, again, with all these states opening up legal sports gambling, this is the first one where it's legal in New York, for example. There are probably a lot of new people who are going to need some of this advice. And if we can avoid at least one person stepping on a rake and hitting themselves in the face with the handle on Super Bowl Sunday, I will rule that as a win. So here we go. Super Bowl strategy. I mean, the first thing you need to know is that you're not getting a lot of value out of the point spread and the total in the Super Bowl. Look, I'm of the belief that the lines are rarely wrong in the NFL during a schedule where there are 16 games in a week. Now you're giving bookmakers two weeks to make a line for one game. They're not going to get it wrong. I'm sorry. You're not getting any value 
out of the point spread or the total at this point in time, as far as I'm concerned. You know, the value really here is with some of the prop markets. And even those, I mean, you have to be careful with them because, A, there are so many different options, right? It's very tempting to just absolutely bet the board, right? Go nuts on some of these props. And I get it. It's tempting. I mean, just, you know, doing the research to get down a couple of small things of my own and, you know, writing about it and talking about it here on the show. I get it. It's very tempting. You know, you have to you have to leave a few options on the cutting room floor to avoid overexposing yourself to the bookmakers. That's just a thing you have to do. But there are some spots where it is advantageous to play the prop markets. And I think some of them might not be as appealing as the ones that a lot of people are going to go for. Right. I mean, Let's face it, a lot of people are going to have Jamar Chase to score a touchdown, Kubrick up to score a touchdown, and their overs, and a lot of overs, Joe Burrow's overs, passing yards, things like that. I'm here to tell you that usually the value in these things rests in the under. That's just a fact. You know, I mean, they the bookmakers know that the most popular players, people are going to flock to their overs. They can either inflate them a little bit or they can juice the lines to where it's not favorable to you. And sure, some of them still might come in. Jamar Chase, for all we know, could have 4,000 yards receiving in the Super Bowl. But it's not likely you're getting a good value betting his receiving yards over, especially the closer and closer it gets to the game, where a lot of people have already piled onto that market. So that's something you want to be aware of. Another thing you want to be aware of Please, please don't bet the coin toss. I know it sounds obvious, but don't pay minus 105 or minus 110 on a coin toss. Please don't do it. It's a 50-50 proposition, just straight math, and you shouldn't pay minus 110 to do it. If you're going to bet the coin toss, bet it with your friends without the juice. Me and my cousin, we used to bet a trip to five guys on the coin toss when we were younger. Shout out to my cousin, Steven. You want to do that? Okay. Please don't pay minus 110 for the coin toss. And please take it easy with the same game parlays. I'm so tired of the same game parlays. They're not a good bet. Nine times out of 10, they're not a good bet. I mean, it's more than nine times out of 10. But for the sake of using an expression, nine times out of 10, they're not a good bet. Anytime you need a bunch of outcomes to come true in the same game, if one of them starts going off the rails, a lot of them are probably going to start going off the rails, even if you play a correlated same game parlay. If you like a lot of props, bet a lot of straight bets. You win 7 out of 10, guess what? You make money. You win 7 out of 10 in a parlay, guess what? You don't make money. And I know people like to do the lottery ticket thing where it's like, oh, it's $5 and I'm, I could win $400 billion or whatever. It's, it's, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it most of the time. Even if you're a $5 better, go put a bunch of $5 on a bunch of individual prop bets and try and, may, try and win more than you lose. Just a better idea. Anyway, those are just a couple of strategy things to be aware of as you get into the Super Bowl here. 
Now let's talk about the game because that's what you people actually care about. Let's talk about the Super Bowl, folks. Rams minus four, four and a half, depending on where you shop, taking on the Bengals. Total 48 and a half. Again, depending on where you shop, give or take a little bit. Game at SoFi Stadium, home of the LA Rams. Of course, the Rams were at home last time against the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and it did not feel like a home game for them. This time probably won't feel like all that much of a home game to them either because all the normal people in the world priced out from attending the game because the tickets are insanely expensive. Even if they weren't, who knows how much support that the uh, that the Rams would have, but it's even less so with the uh, the prices of the Super Bowl and the corporate crowd that kind of rolls in for an event like that. So I'll give you my initial thoughts on the game. Uh, I will pass along some trends. I'm not a big trends guy. I don't think trends are really a good way to predict what's going to happen, but uh, I will pass some of those along because I know they are interesting to some of you. And then I will give you my opinion on uh, on the side total and uh, a few prop looks that I have as well. So first, my thoughts on the game. I mean, I listen, the Rams have been the better team in the postseason so far, as far as I'm concerned. You look at the path for both of these teams to the Super Bowl, right? And you look at the Bengals, they barely got by the Raiders. They needed a goal line interception there. They barely got by the Titans. They needed a lot of help from Ryan Tannehill to get through that one. They were gifted the game in the second half against the Kansas City Chiefs. They needed some help from Patrick Mahomes to get that one. You look at the Rams, and they have been dominant with the exception of really two halves of football, right? The second half against the Buccaneers, Tom Brady on the comeback trail. Uh, The fact that they held him off is impressive as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the first half against the Niners where they fell behind and they ended up coming back in the second half to win that game. Other than that, though, they've been excellent. They dominated Arizona from start to finish, were great in the first half against Tampa Bay, and they were great in the second half against the Niners. As far as I'm concerned, way more impressive road to the Super Bowl for the L.A. Rams. And I cannot stress enough the turnover luck that the Cincinnati Bengals have had so far. I mean, it's, you know, factually, like mathematically, it's not sustainable. They might get it again, just, you know, the randomness of the sport. But, like, you can't bank on that as far as I'm concerned, right? Multiple turnovers by their opponents in every game of the Super Bowl so far. And yeah, you know, some good defensive plays in there, but also like multiple tipped ball interceptions for defensive linemen, things like that. I, you know, can you really rely on that in a Super Bowl setting? I don't think you can. I think that, again, we're talking turnover luck. That stuff tends to even out over time. And I think that it will in this game. Kind of getting away from the the past and, you know, with a road to the Super Bowl for both of these teams, just looking at the matchup on the field. I've said it, you know, kind of throughout the last couple of weeks, but I think that the difference in this game is the defensive front of the Rams against the offensive line of the Bengals. And I know that's not exactly a groundbreaking opinion, especially since we've had like a week and a half now to warm over these Super Bowl takes. But I do think that, you know, you have Von Miller, Aaron Donald leading that charge up front for the Rams defensively against the Bengals offensive line that 
They've given up 12 sacks in three playoff games so far. To be fair, you had nine of them against the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, it kind of lowered the rest of the way. But I do think that you're in a situation where that offensive line has not been all that good, even against the Chiefs when they won the game. Joe Burrow had to duck out of a couple of sacks where he's getting grabbed by multiple Chiefs so he can run for first downs. Against Aaron Donald and Von Miller, you might not get out of those situations unscathed, and they might put more pressure on you more consistently than the Chiefs did, by the way, without having to blitz as often as Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs defense likes to blitz. That's just an interesting difference as far as I'm concerned. The fact that the Rams can get to the quarterback without bringing as many guys as the Chiefs had to down the stretch there. I think we're going to see pressure on Burrow quite a bit, and I don't think he's going to get away from it quite as often as he did against Kansas City. I think that, you know, both of these teams have really good skill position talent, right? I mean, you know, you're looking at guys like Chase Higgins, Mixon. Uzama's questionable. They're saying that he might be good to go. They're hoping he's good to go. I would assume that he'll give it a shot. And then, you know, on the other side, you've got Cup and you've got Beckham and Higby might go. Either way, I was really impressed with uh, with Blanton, Kendall Blanton in the reserve tight end role for the Rams in the NFC Championship game. A lot of really good skill position talent in this game. The question is, will the Bengals have enough time to utilize that skill position talent? And that's something that I am not super confident in heading into this game. So those are my kind of initial thoughts on the Super Bowl. We'll go through some trends here real quick, just some general game trends first. Uh, underdogs since 2004, 12-6 against the spread that favors the Bengals, uh, also favoring the Bengals. The fact that teams that enter the Super Bowl with an inferior win percentage, 14-1 uh, and one against the spread last 15 Super Bowls. Again, this is why I don't really put a lot of stock into trends. You know, the Super Bowl is about matchups as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, you have 15 different sets of teams there and just a lot of randomness. I mean, especially, you know, you look back over the last 15 years, that includes what? The Manning to Manningham Super Bowl. That includes the Patriots Seahawks at the one-yard line Super Bowl. I mean, a couple of plays go differently. These numbers look a little different. But, again, just interesting to note heading into the game. Uh, since 2010, uh, the spread has not come into play in the Super Bowl. Uh, either favorites have won and covered, or underdogs have won the game outright and, of course, have covered in the process. Uh, the last time an underdog lost and covered the spread in the game, that was 2009. That was the uh, the Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl. James Harrison with that crazy pick six, uh, Larry Fitzgerald going off, Santonio Holmes with the game winner. Uh, it's been that long. I was in the freshman dorms at the University of Albany the last time an underdog lost but covered in the Super Bowl. Shout out to Anthony Hall, first floor room 104, uh, as we sat in what we called the chill zone and watched that Super Bowl. Um, of course, Super Bad had recently come out at that time. So it was actually a super cool, funny reference and not just a weird name for uh, the common area of the dorm room. 
But either way, it's been that long since an underdog lost the game but covered the spread in the Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl winner, 47-6-2 and two against the spread all time. If you win the game, of course, naturally likely to cover the spread, but favorites cover in the Super Bowl. I think it's kind of the moral of the story here. And really based off of those two items that you just heard, kind of stands to reason if you like the Rams, lay the points. If you like the Bengals, hey, you might want to take a shot at the money line because that's just kind of the way things have gone in the Super Bowl. One last kind of general game trend here. The team that the line has moved in favor of in the Super Bowl, uh, 11-5 and five against the spread since 2004. Uh, the Lions moved like a half point in favor of the Rams, so not a significant line movement. But again, interesting to know. Uh, on the Rams' side, 2-5 and five in their last seven games as a playoff favorite against the spread, uh, under 5-2-1 and one in their last eight games as a favorite between 3.5 and, and 10 points, which they are in this game. Uh, Bengals, I mean, goodness, all the trends look really great for the Bengals because of how well they've been playing as of late. Uh, seven straight wins against the spread, 5-0 and oh against the spread last five as an underdog, which they are here. And 6-0 against the spread last six games against a team with a winning record, which, of course, they are playing since we are in the Super Bowl. Again, I don't put a lot of stock into these things. Um, of course, those numbers sound really great for the Bengals. But, you know, you look back and, okay, who were those teams and things like that? You know, again, not really comparable. Plus, you're dealing with a huge gap in experience in this game. The Rams, they've been to the Super Bowl before. Recently, the Bengals as a franchise have not been there since 1988. And, uh, of course, you know, Joe Burrow has not played in the Super Bowl. He's played in college football playoff championship game. But uh, this is a little bit different as far as I'm concerned. If I had to take a side in this game, and again, you don't. I understand it's very, it's the Super Bowl. I understand a lot of people want to get involved. You don't have to do it. If I had to do it, it would be the Los Angeles Rams minus the four to four and a half. Uh, I also think that the under is the way to go in this game. I know everybody, again, is very taken with the skill position talent in this game. I get it. I do. But you have to remember, Super Bowl usually has a slow start scoring-wise historically. Nine out of the last ten Super Bowls have seen 10 or fewer points scored in the first quarter. Um, of course, some of those were those Patriots 0-0 first quarters that they've kind of become known for. But again, low scoring first quarters really kind of puts you behind the eight ball with the total. I think that we see the pass rush of the Rams disrupt Joe Burrow and company throughout. And I think that we see the game go under the total. So again, I'm not playing the side or the total. I don't think there's a ton of value there. If I had to, it would be Rams and under. And it's a listen. It's a game where I think that a lot of people are kind of handicapping it just based off of vibes. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are just getting behind the Joe Burrow story here. But I think the Rams have a better roster, really top to bottom, and I think that they win the game. As far as I'm concerned, um, let's get you a couple of props here because I am interested in a couple of these props. Um, I and again, I don't love it, but Odell Beckham Jr. to score a touchdown is at plus 120. I do think that there are some legs there. Uh, he scored in six of his 11 games with the Rams so far. 
So he has scored more than half the games, and you're getting a plus price. I think it's worth a shot. I know that Cup and Chase are going to be more popular options in that market, but I think you know you get a little bit extra from uh, going with Odell instead, and I think he's just as likely to get into the end zone as those guys. So uh, that is why I would go with Odell over them. Uh, first quarter being the lowest scoring quarter is a plus 160 at DraftKings. Nine of the last 10 Super Bowls, as I've said, have seen 10 or fewer points. And this is a game where you have one side who's only been to one of these a few years ago, different quarterback, and you have a team that has never been here. I think there's going to be a real feeling out process. Teams playing a little conservatively for no other reason than they just don't want to ruin their chances at winning the Super Bowl within the first few minutes of the game. So I think that the lowest scoring quarter will be the first at plus 160. Uh, I also like neither team to score an opening drive touchdown at minus 140. Uh, you know, punts, field goals, what have you. I think that's all within the realm of possibility, but I do not think that we see the team march down the field and score on their first possession with the football. Um, those are Those are my three. I'm not going crazy with the props. I'm not going to sit here and, oh, you know, what does C.J. Uzama's yardage look like? I uh, I just personally, props are not a strength of mine. I know a lot of people are very good at them. I am not one of them. So I tend to keep it pretty conservative during even a game like the Super Bowl where there are so many available. Um, I know there's been a lot of steam on the opening kickoff to not be a touchback which I think is interesting. Uh, you know, you're so used to seeing guys blast the football through the back of the end zone on these kickoffs. I'll be interested to uh, see what happens there. And, you know, it's nice. It's nice being in this kind of regulated sports betting world now where we don't have to talk about the national anthem or the color of the Gatorade anymore. That's nice. Uh, that is nice because don't get me wrong. Those things are fun but they're also very goofy and open to subjectivity and just kind of annoying to deal with. It's nice. It's nice just being able to talk about the game as far as I'm concerned. If you do if you do the Gatorade color, I don't know where you would do that anymore. Good luck. Um, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago, purple Gatorade was supposed to be the color. It wasn't even close. It was supposed to be like a Kobe Bryant tribute Gatorade bath that did not happen. And, uh, that was when it was a good sign. Okay, like we should really reevaluate with these goofy novelty props. But those are the end of the uh, the props as far as the Super Bowl is concerned on my end. Of course, if you check out the ATS.io YouTube channel, uh, you will see TJ Calkins give his best prop picks as well over the day or so to come. You will not want to miss that. But folks... That is your look at Super Bowl. Is it 56? Uh, yeah, it's 56. Uh, the Rome, I put everything in the Roman numerals, and then I doubt myself. Uh, it's very dumb. I should just write the number all the time. But it is 56. Super Bowl 56 here on the GBI show. And more importantly, that's the end of the football season on the show. But I do have some good news. And that good news is the fact that we are still going to be around after the football season, though I'm telling you, the support from the podcast audience has has resulted in the show sticking around after the football season. Uh, we're going to pivot to basketball 
and the format is to be determined. It's not going to be weekly. It, it might be a daily but shorter show in the future uh, talking about basketball. Um, don't know quite the specifics yet, but I do know within the next couple of weeks we are going to be kind of relaunching the GBI show as not gridiron betting insights. I'll have to come up with some other stupid acronym, but it will be a basketball show until it's time to get back into football. And um, I, you know, I can't thank everybody enough for making that possible, listening to the podcast, uh, because without that, this would not exist. Um, this is the first time we've made it through a full season of the show. We did it for the first time last season through a different entity, and uh, they shut us down halfway through the season because they sold their whole company to somebody else. Uh, this year, the support from the ATS team has been very heartening and, and just super incredible. And the support from the podcast audience has been uh, humbling and and just delightful in every way. So thank you to everybody who's made this possible this football season. But I just do want to let you know, we are not going – you can't get rid of me that easily anymore, which feels amazing. You can't get rid of me that easily anymore. We're going to be back talking hoops within the next couple of weeks. We'll get you ready for the stretch run of the regular season, and then we will get you ready for the postseason and it's going to be great. Uh, really exciting stuff. I'm a better basketball better than I am a football better. And it's not particularly close. So I am excited. I mean, we've been beating closing lines in the NBA pretty consistently in 2022. And so I'm excited to continue to do that down the stretch and in the playoffs and to be able to share some of that stuff with you guys through this medium as we do it. But before that, I want to say again, thank you for listening. Good luck with your Super Bowl bets. Again, this is not goodbye. This is see you soon. We're going to basketball soon. I will be working with our team to figure out what that's going to look like. You will know when I know. But until then, thank you again. Good luck on your Super Bowl bets. And we'll see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.